Uh, we're so glad you're here. I know everybody's gearing up for holidays and holy days and all that stuff, and and we, we can feel it in our souls that something new is about to happen, right? Something big. We're about to mark uh, the world changing, and so we're glad that we get to do that together in a bunch of different ways. Uh, this, this evening at the church, our students are having their big Christmas party, uh, so if you love a student, are a student, know a student, make sure they know about that. Uh, that's happening this afternoon, or it's happening at 6.30, which is what the slide says. Believe the slide, not me. And uh, every time the students have a party, there's always like stories on Monday. So I'm really excited to find out what the stories are coming away from uh, this Christmas party. Uh, so join in that uh, with us. If you have been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that we have this fun uh, fundraiser thing we're doing to raise some money for Players Box and for our efforts to help students in the community uh, excel in the world and work through uh, what it means to be a person in the world. So one of the ways we're doing that is uh, we had this handcrafted Lego set uh, that is a fun uh, little, that's our actual church in Legos, and it's a fun little weird Christmas gift if you want to get for somebody. Um, you can see them out at the booth uh, about that or check out playersbox.org. Uh, we're also doing a bunch of generous things uh, through this season. Uh, we're part of a, a campaign to just basically get a bunch of winter coats and, uh, and stuff. We're calling it Give Great Joy. So if you want to be a part of that and help keep people warm uh, this winter, you can help us uh, with that. This is, of course, the generous season. So uh, if you're thinking about if you just made so much money this year, you just got to offload some of that, you know, maybe keep us on that list. Uh, or if you know, got some pennies to throw us. Uh, end of the year is a, is a very big deal for nonprofits. I'm sure your email inbox is a reflection of that. Uh, but we're glad you're here, and we hope you'll join in all kinds of celebrations with us, including our big Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve Eve uh, show. We're excited about this year. We're doing something different. We did Unexpected for a few years, got a lot of uh, good traction and excitement out of that. But this year, uh, we're doing something different. So we want to just give you a trailer for that so you know what to expect uh, coming up Christmas Eve. After 2,000 years of celebrating, 2,000 years of singing the same songs, 2,000 years of telling the same story, 2,000 years of gifts and bells and lights and all that joy, would it ever be enough? Or could it still be new every year, more true every year? What if there was still more to the same old story? More songs to be written, more gifts to give. What if there was more and more room to be made at the end? Join us this Christmas for a look behind the curtain of the heavens as we join in the party that never stops and accept the invite to the Silent Tonight Show at Southbrook with your host, me, Gabriel the Angel. So we're excited about that. We got an actual angel. It's going to be sweet. I uh, hope you're in on that with us. Uh, it's hard to get this time of year, but we found some, we had some connections. So join us for that. Uh, it'll be a mix of kind of a production and a candlelight sing-along thing. So uh, we're trying to have all the best things of, of Christmas uh, for those, those couple of nights. We hope you'll join us. Um, we are in this series called Of Great Joy. We're talking about joy 
and different elements of the Christmas story. And today we're focusing on travel. And not just travel, but I want us to think about this as the, a joy and movement uh, Sunday morning. And I just have to say that long before I really understood the, the biblical story, I always thought of Christmas as being connected to travel. Because every year at Christmas, I would uh, get the JCPenney catalog. Anybody? You guys remember that? It's on paper and stuff. And I would, I would circle and dog ear all the things I wanted. Anybody do that? And just hope that Santa could somehow like read the JCPenney catalog. I didn't want to write a whole letter. I just wanted to circle the things, and he knows. Uh, if he can do all the other things, he can surely read my JCPenney catalog. And so every year, I would circle the same thing. It was a battery-powered uh, Cadillac. You guys know these things? Maybe your kids had them, or maybe you were one of the lucky ones. You got to have one of those. Uh, it actually had a, like a back seat, but it was, you know, this big, right? And it's one of those battery-powered things that the kids pretend they're driving. And I wanted one so uh, badly. And I just have to say, uh, for as lovely and good as my parents were, they never, never not one time uh, did they tell Santa to get that for me. Uh, and I, if you just think about being a kid, how much of childhood is just finding different ways to get from A to B, right? A skateboard, a bicycle, a wagon, like a, one of those things that you hop, hop on, right? Like a pogo stick. Like we're, we're just trying to find any way we can to get from A to B. And I, as a little kid, was fascinated with driving. Like I would I'd pretend I was driving when we'd go shopping at the store. I would like pretend that it was the lanes of the highway and I would take turns wild and I would brake and really upset my mom. And I, I would just drive like, I was just pretending I was driving everywhere I went. I was obsessed with it. Now, of course, most of you, if you share that, you know that eventually the joy of travel wears out. Eventually, it's not as fun to get from A to B. And you, you're no longer trying to scoot to get a scooter to get from work. You just want to get there as fast as you can. You maybe feel personally affronted by the red light that seems to keep happening to you. That's at least how I feel. The God is smiting me every time a red light happens. Uh, like traveling starts to get stressful. One of the first times I realized, oh, maybe driving is not as exciting as I thought it was, is I, I went to school down in Tennessee, and so I had all these years of driving back and forth, and I've told this story before, but one time I was coming home for the holidays, and the roads were really wet. And when you're driving through, like, West Virginia, Virginia, those mountains, just wet roads can cause trouble. And so I um, was changing a CD. You guys know what that is? And, and I ended up, like, just the, the front corner of my car got in the median, the grassy median, and my car just started swinging back and forth across the highway. And then I ended up in the grassy meeting doing circles, like four good circles. And I thought, I'm dying. This is how I die. And I really legitimately thought, there's no way I don't, you know, I come out of this alive. Um, and I did. It just ended up stuck in a ditch. Uh, and that was the end of the story. It was just my car was really muddy, and a t truck driver had to come and get me out. Uh, but I learned that driving was stressful. Uh, just so you know that the, the CD I dropped was called Live. And I just, I always thought that was funny, that I almost died uh, changing a CD called Live. But, 
you guys know, right, especially holiday travel is every because everybody's trying to go somewhere, and you probably know. I mean, there was one year when I moved here to Dayton, one of the first years, there was a big snowstorm that came, like, around Christmas. It was, so it was 2004, and just a big old pile of snow uh, fell, and I had to get back home to Columbus and ended up on 70 going 15 miles an hour because they hadn't cleared, they weren't able to clear any of it. And that was a a pretty stressful holiday. And I'm sure you have your stories of when there wasn't a joy to travel. But the funny thing, when we think about joy and being in motion and movement, there's this funny tension where sometimes it is a joy, right? The right song plays and you're driving down the highway and the wind's in your hair and you're stopping at Bucky's in Kentucky and you're, you know, you're getting your snacks from the gas station and there is a joy to being on the road and being in between somewhere there can be a joy to travel uh, there's all this stuff about uh, movement and stress if you've studied at all stress cycles then you know that when our bodies feel like they're in danger when they start going down that that uh, stress cycle trail and the cortisol and all that stuff is pumping through and your body thinks it might be in danger that one of the number one things you need to do is move that your body needs to complete the stress cycle. Uh, that's why like watching the Bengals play is stressful because you can't get on the field and fix it. You're just sitting still, right? So anybody stand up and like, you know, you yell at the TV because you, you need to move. You need to be a part of that story. And if it was you in there, it would go worse. But don't tell it, you know. You can keep living like you might be able to fix it. But, uh, you know, if you've ever had to spend a day in a hospital, not you, but somebody you love is in the hospital. At the end of the day, your body is exhausted from sitting there because you can't solve it. You can't fix it. You can't take up the knife and perform the surgery. You're just, you're just sitting still while something stressful is happening. This happens to us all the time. If we don't get to finish our stress cycle, it just stays inside us. It ends up doing long-term damage to our bodies. Uh, there was a, a a couple sisters who wrote a book called Burnout. Uh, if, you, if you need to know more about stress cycles, it's Emily and Amelia Nagalski. And they wrote that the number one thing you can do to like tell your body you're not in danger you're, or to kind of finish that stress cycle to get the cortisol out of your body is to move. Uh, you can also do stuff like just breathe differently. Uh, you can connect to another person. So if you hug somebody for 20 seconds, it'll complete uh, the stress cycle if it's the right person. There's some, you know... A 20-second hug with a stranger, it might increase your cortisol. But uh, to be social, to create, to cry, you, you need some physical expression to get the stress uh, out of your body. And so when we look at Luke 2 this morning, when we look at the traveling that Mary and Joseph had to do, I wonder sometimes if that travel they had to do would have worked some of the stress out or if it would have caused more. Right? There would have been a tension there. Uh, this is what it says in Luke 2, and you know it. You've heard Linus read it. Uh, <laughs> in those, what if I got Linus? What if we got Linus for Chris? That'd be pretty great. Uh, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. Now, I wanna just say, just to, to keep this kind of 
Uh, interesting for us, as far as we know, they had to go 90 miles. They had to, on maybe on some, maybe they got to catch a camel for a leg of that trip, but they had to go 90 miles. It would have taken them about four days if they were making good time. You know, if they did that thing where they plug the GPS in and then they're racing it, it says we'll get there Thursday, we're going to try to get there Wednesday. Anybody, you do that? Uh, I, I want to also just recognize that in addition to the burden of travel and movement and having to chart their miles and take the right turns and dealing with strangers saying, when do you do? And all that stuff and the blisters on their feet, all the weariness of traveling. It, it's also so catching to me that Jesus starts his life in the middle of bureaucracy. Anybody just, just get weighed down by bureaucracy? When they tell you, oh, you got to call this person, and then that person says, you got to call this person, and then that person says, oh, you should have called that first person. You ever just, there's nothing, in addition to, you know, spinning out on a highway, there's nothing that causes me more stress than bureaucracy. And I always have to remind myself of that at Christmas when you're standing in line, right? Uh, That God knows what bureaucracy is like and what systems are like. And what I love is that the story of God from the very beginning, the story of Jesus, is steeped in reality. There was a governor who just wanted to exercise some power and made everybody come home and say where they live now. And and he's just a victim victim of bureaucracy. And then in the midst of that, they have to make this very big journey. And I think it's good for us to pay attention to that because when these seasons come along, there's a temptation for us uh, to just feel the stress of the holidays that it needs to just be covered in glitter. It just needs to be covered in glitter. I saw a mug the other day at the store that said, every moment merry. And it felt like a threat to me, <laughs> you know? Like, I think it was supposed to sound happy, but it felt like, oh, I, I can't live up to that mug. I'm never, I can't make every moment merry. And for our purposes of this series, I think sometimes when we hear a word like joy, right, it just sounds so happy, so light. It almost sounds flippant, fluffy. It almost sounds like something that belongs to oblivious people. (laughs) Joy. But here's the thing. It's that Christmas is not just this this story of Mary and Joseph completing an ultramarathon. It is the story of a God who moves, finding a landing place. The very beginning of this story, right? You go back to page one and we find a God who travels. We find a God who is hovering over waters. We find a God who follows people from just exploring in the garden, right? God is like hanging out and learning about the flowers and the leaves and the bushes and the trees in the garden. And then he follows the people out as they get expelled. This is a God who moves, The very first days of creation, God is out following the people around in the wilderness. Uh, God meets them out in the desert. God shows up however God can meet them. If it's in burning fire in the wilderness, that's where God will meet them. God meets them in tabernacles and tents and temples. God meets them sometimes just shows up in the mountains. Uh, When Elijah is in despair, right, it's just this whispering wind that comes through the mountains and meets him there. In his despair, over and over again in the whole story, God is a God who moves, 
who refuses to stay in one place, who does not stay away from where the action is, who is not flippant or oblivious, but a God who travels with people and always stays near. This is a God who parts the waters so that people can travel a little easier. This is a God who shows up. And part of the Christmas story, I know it's a miracle. I know there is this, this God-induced conception. Part of it is a miracle. But I love to remind myself every Christmas that in addition to whatever miracle happened in the womb of Mary, God also travels through Joseph's family story. That God travels through the story of Rahab and Ruth and David. That part of how God shows up in the world is through all these human entanglements and through human love and through human stories. And then you mix that with the mighty movement of God and you get now, I don't want us to let all the glitter and the jingle bells fool us. Hallmark could never handle this story. They just couldn't. I'm glad for what they do, but they could not tell this story right. Because this story is not the disembodied perfection of life in a snow globe or a small town where your parents run the Christmas tree farm. You just moved back, you know, to meet a boring, handsome man. Hallmark cannot handle the story. The Christmas story is a God who does not arrive in a, slow, in a snow globe, but in a trench. And it's not this one time. Part of what we mark at Christmas is that this is how God works all the time. Whatever date is on the calendar, God does not show up oblivious. As we think about joy this year, I want us to just recognize, even if it's just for a moment, for us to just recognize that from the very start, joy has refused to follow anybody's script. Joy is wild, and it will show up where it pleases. Joy is not predictable. Joy is defiant. What I really want to say is that joy is bad donkey. Let him with ears hear. <laughs> Joy dances when nobody else hears any music playing. When nobody else can hear that bass line of God showing up time after time. And I'm guessing that some of you know this. I'm guessing that some of you know that Joy does not follow your schedule. That it is very much an agent that acts in surprise. I was thinking about this uh, a couple of uh, days ago. I was riding in the car with my mom, and she was in the early stages of Alzheimer's. And sometimes we'd get in the car, and it was like a good kind of test for just to see how, uh, how communicative she was and how much she could join me in conversation. And one day, she was just being really quiet. And I had Dolly Parton music playing in the background in the car. And I just kept thinking, like, I was trying to get her to tell me how she was. And uh, finally, I said, I just, Mom, you're, you're not talking to me. What's going on? And she says, that Jolene, she really had it all, didn't she? <laughs> and she's right. That Jolene really did have it all. Not as much as Dolly, but she had a lot. Now, 
You know that feeling, right? Where you're crying and all of a sudden you're laughing. That is the movement of God. And that is joy and it's wild. We wish we could control it, but we can't. But that joy, those moments come, but they do come more and more when we start to bank this truth that God is with us, that God travels with us, that God is with us in the ditch in West Virginia, that God is with us on the road, that God is with us at Bucky's, that God is with us when we're stuck at the red light, that God is with us in the hospital room. God is with us on Sunday afternoon when our team is losing and the other team's God has answered their prayers. <laughs> Doesn't matter. God is with us. I want us to just stay right here at the stable with Mary and Joseph for a minute. Think about their, their weary feet that have 90 miles in four days on them. Their shoes are worn down. If they had any blisters, they've long since <laughs> popped and healed and popped and healed. Their, their feet are worn out. They're in clothes they've been in for four days. Their eyes are going on couple hours of sleep a night. The indignity they must feel of having no control over how they spent these last days of their pregnancy. The indignity of having to go because the governor said, of, of finally getting to the hotel and there, somebody lost their reservation. Just, just be there in that moment with them because you've been there probably. And then, they get to be the first ones to see what the love of God looks like on a face. They get to hear the truest timber of the voice of God, even if it's weeping. They get to see the left hand of God find the right hand of God. They get to see these little feet that have been traveling for thousands of years and miles and miles. They get to see these little feet that were with the Spirit hovering over the water on the very first page. God is with us, they would have said. They would have had tears and laughter. Let's just sit with this. That joy is so wild. I don't know how to tell us to have more of it. But I do know that this season, it is our chance to let every little piece of glitter we just bank that truth. God is with us. We let that mug that says every moment, Mary, we, met, we let that woman meet that boring, handsome man, let it all just soak into us that God is with us. So that when it's February, we haven't seen the sun in days. Something's going to go wrong. We bank that truth. God is with us. Let every song every movie, every piece of glitter make its way to us. God is with us. I don't know where you're at uh, this season. Uh, one of my favorite poets, Mary Oliver, she says that joy is not meant to be a crumb. And what I think is beautiful about joy is that you don't need a lot of it. That just a little of it overflows. I want to just say to those of you who, who don't know what to do this Christmas, um, who the glitter is just feels like a torture to you. Uh, the songs feel like they're stabbing you, like everything is just hard, and you know it's the season for merriment, but you can't quite find it. You're just, you're, your traveling legs are tired. 
a couple years ago, what turned out to be my parents' last Christmas, I did everything for them at their house. Like I put up their tree. I bought presents for all of us from all of us, <laughs> like so that we could all open something that I had all, I wrapped them all and done it all. I'd done all this work to make their Christmas good, got food and all that stuff. But at my own house, I, I was just so tired that I just had a tea light. And that was what I decorated with that year. I just put a tea light on the table. And I'd come home at the end of the night and I'd just light, light the tea light because that's how much I had left. And if you're having a tea light Christmas, I think, I just want to say that, that it'll grow and it'll change and that all you need is, is a little bit of joy. That it is so wild that just your little tea light is connected to the burning fire of God and to this very deep truth that God is with us. Let's pray. God, we trust that even right now you are near. That you've gone through realms and around the world to meet us. God, we trust that you're not just here, but you're there. And that you'll go with us when we walk outside. We thank you for that moment when you cried in this world for the first time, when you smiled at Mary for the first time, for the way you reached out, for every hand you could find in this world. We trust that what was true then is true now, that you are with us, and that you are the face of love, and God, for the wild joy we get to know because of you, we thank you. God, we sit at this table today, we take communion, remembering that tears through laughter is your specialty. And that joy overcoming gloom and death and sorrow is your specialty. For your sweet spot, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.